Alright everyone, welcome back. Brand new Techish in the building. We back. It's Michael Bahane, CEO of Pocket and Pocket Jobs, and I am with Abadesi of Hustle Crew. Come to us for training needs. What's going on with is it layoffs to lemonade? When's layoffs that happening? Layoffs to lemonade. Well, you know, there have been like 135 tech companies that have done layoffs this year. And you know, I've been laid off myself, so I know it's hard. Mm. And we're just putting out the contents on our YouTube, it's on our socials at Hustle Crew Live, because I feel it's really important for us to do what we can to support people in this really difficult time. It's mm-hmm. like a really emotional period. I've been there myself. So yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check out Layoffs to Lemonade, come through. Shout out to that. Yeah, do you get do you get like a free Vision Pro with the course or anything like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I want um, one now, I can't lie. Yeah, honestly, I was also like <laughs> seriously. Into it. Yeah, 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 I was. What have you seen that's convinced you maybe I kind of want one now? It's so funny actually because I only work with one screen, even though everyone's like, two screens are such a productivity oh, hack. Amateur. I was you're like, uh, huh? You're an amateur. No, because like I just... It's annoying to me having two screens. Like, I'll just be honest. Look, I have a typewriter. That's how old school (laughs) I am. No jokes. I like type letters on my typewriter. That's good. Um, But when I saw the Vision Pro demo and this bra had turned his like whole room into various screens. Do you know what? It reminded me of what's that Tom Cruise movie where he's like doing Minority Report. Boom. Minority Report. I was like, take me there. I want to yes. be in minority report. You know what got me you? was when I saw somebody on an airplane and they showed them like basically, you know, you're in a cramped seat, the seats, there's no screen. Maybe you're on a three hour flight. There's no like TV. Dude puts it on and he's got this giant cinema right in front wow. of him. And I was like, you know what? I'm starting to, they're starting to cook. I'm starting to see like what's going on here. I'm, I, I might get involved, but it's too expensive for now. I think definitely going forward once it gets cheaper, it's yeah. a little bit more affordable. Maybe when there's an Android version, it's like 300 pounds. I might get it then. Do you know what I'm saying? Because um, yeah. Go on, what you going to say? All I was going to say was, you know, when you're a kid and you're sitting really close to the TV. Yes. And then your parents like move away from the screen. It's bad for your it eyes. It was a lie, basically. Was it a lie? It was a lie. Well, I turned out fine. One, but two, also uh, now. Speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> I've been wearing glasses since age eight. But do you have a family history of people wearing glasses? I think so, yeah, Don't yeah, blame yeah. the TV then. TV did me good. No, Mom. because all I'm trying to say is Vision Pro <laughs> is going to mess up people's eyesight. I don't know. because I, I genuinely feel like, think people how, who have a propensity mm, to be short-sighted, watch out. How many people are going to sleep with their phones right in their face now? But maybe that is, Maybe that is messing up their eyesight. The thing that also um, freaked me out was I saw a person tweet saying, RIP to my sex life, and they had a picture of their husband or boyfriend in bed with the Vision Pro. <laughs> and he had a face of just grinning. He was just smiling. He was just like... And it's like, how do you compete with that? I mean, like, we're used to living in a world where maybe you're in bed with your partner and you're both just in your own phone, your own own little world, potentially. No No phones in the bedroom. Okay, well, then that's you. But, like, there's a (laughs) lot of people that are living that life where even I I see couples at restaurants where they're just, like, they're both on their phone. Mm -hmm. How do you now respond when, let's say, one of the partners is like, I want to put on that Vision Pro and just watch my thing and you just stay over? Does that feel even more isolating than a phone? Yeah, we're going too far. We're going too too far. far. You need quality time. For me, like, bed is, like, the ultimate sacred place. Interesting. And, I don't know, like, I'm not a fan of any kind of devices in that area. I think you're alone, I'll be honest with you. I think everyone else is crumbling. I'm a boomer. Some people call me a boomer out there. Don't say that. We've been told (laughs) off. We've got got a review that said, do not use the term boomer in any derogatory way. Listen, we love everybody. Don't get interested in it. And, obviously, we're just teasing. And it's obviously stereotypes. It's not good. If you haven't noticed, like, it's comedy. It's comedy? (laughs) It's art. Basically, don't be a boomer. Moving on. So speaking of um, changes and new things, and um, actually it's a terrible segue because there is no necessary correlation, but I'm going to make it happen anyways. Do it. Force it. Force it. So Metastock has boomed. I found a way. Metastock has boomed 4X since it hit the rock bottom a couple, like a year ago. I think at the end of 2022, it was at its worst point, $111 
a share. Now it's about four, five hundred dollars. Yeah, looks like the year of efficiency has worked. Mm. Um, so much so that uh, sorry, that Meta has now decided to issue a dividend, which is very, very rare with tech stocks. Normally, mm. it's all about re- reinvesting for growth. I don't think Amazon's ever done a dividend. Um, so for them to do that has you know it shares a lot that they're so confident how much profits they're spitting out that they can afford to do that. Yeah. Does so it now look, to keep people sweet? Yeah. Does it now look like though that? All of the cost cutting, mm. all of the laying people off, all of the, you know, let's get rid of this whole department. Basically, it's justified. <sighs> At least from a financial perspective, not on a human level. I don't know, because I've been thinking recently about big tech mm. and how we've kind of like normalized the evil that it does. Mm. Like we've been so caught up in talking about the impact of their layoffs that we kind of like have forgotten that they're still not paying taxes properly. Mm. And they're still not being like super clear about how they use our data and how much they listen to us. And I don't know, I, I, I personally feel that no, it doesn't make it worth it. The fact that they're able to now like pay back to dividends or that they're like a more financially robust company. Because I think in the grand scheme of things, at least this is how I think of it as a as a more ethical consumer, not just a pure cold-blooded capitalist. For me, the impact of a company is not just in the value it returns to its shareholders or even its like financial health as yeah. far as a share price. It's also about its like environmental impact, its social impact, and it's like, you know, governance, things like ESG are supposed to be reporting on and covering. So I don't know, like in the grand scheme of things, I feel like Meta like still has a long way to go to be a good company. It's interesting though, because we talk about the evil of these companies, but then at the same time, we feel sorry for their employees. Isn't that a bit of a contradiction in terms? We're like, oh, you've been laid off doing the evil work that you're doing. Well, I just no. thought about that now. Go on, no, go on, go on, go on. Because we're living in a world with like different levels of privilege. And there are some people who like genuinely need that opportunity at that Meta. I was yeah. that person. I worked at Amazon. I worked at Amazon knowingly aware of the fact that there were elements of the Amazon experience I did not agree with. Like, I think Mm. people should pay taxes and I think companies should pay taxes. Was I happy with the fact that, like, Amazon's HQ was not London where I worked, but technically, like, Luxembourg or wherever the heck? Of course not. But at the same time, I was standing there as a woman from Nigeria, Philippines, you know, all these, like, communities where I just know women from those countries would kill to be in that position and Mm. and get that knowledge and get that wealth for their community. So I was just like, I'm going to be here and seize the opportunity even though I don't necessarily agree with everything Jeff Bezos does. I'm not buying it, you know. I feel like there's an element where, I mean, I'm complicit to I use these products and services. Mm. I feel sorry if anyone loses their job first and foremost, because obviously I don't know what people's, you know, economic position is. You've got kids trying to feed, you've got a mortgage. But obviously at the same time, there is a level of complicity. We can't just say, I'm going to work there, but don't hold me accountable for any of the bad things that this company does, because you can choose to use your talents elsewhere. You don't have to. What do you mean where? If you want to make a certain amount of money, yes, you have to go work at these evil companies. But... Does everybody need to be on six figures? Does everybody need to be like a bajillionaire? What kind of world do we live in when only cold-blooded capitalists want to be in big tech companies? What, like at so the end saying, of the day, everyone's going to use Facebook. I'm not saying necessarily like make change on the inside, but like I'm literally, and you as well, building a career and a business out of representation. Now you're going to say representation doesn't though. matter. I'm saying I'm complicit <laughs> though. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, yeah. Anyways, it's an interesting <laughs> debate. What do you not think? Leave a review. Speaking of changes, terrible segue again, Adam Newman now wants to come back and buy WeWork. <laughs> so WeWork oh, nice. is now on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, was this the long game? This was the long game. So essentially he sold his shares 
uh, however many, I think it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, at the, they basically wanted to force him out of the company. And by doing so, um, he had to leave the company. But he sold, I think, about a billion dollars worth. So he left with about a billion dollars worth of net worth. Damn. So now he's rich enough to come back and yeah. buy a company that was once worth $46 billion. And yeah. it's now basically on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Is he a hero in your mind? <laughs> so funny because I swear someone at SoftBank got fired after that share price tank, yeah, the guy that led that deal. So I just wonder like, what's that guy up to now? And is he looking at this and like secretly like having like a little voodoo doll of Adam Newman where he's just like eh, 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 mm. poking at him. But um, is this the ultimate finesse, the ultimate flex to build up one of the world's largest companies, bring all your family and friends in on six figure salaries? Milk it. Um, yeah, milk it for all it's worth, sell it at the peak, watch it plummet and eventually come back and try and buy it for peanuts. Um, yeah, I mean, he's aced the game. Whether he succeeds or not, we shall see, but that would be, that would be the next TV series. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the sequel. That was, did you ever watch We Crashed? No, actually, it was a great performance. But you know what's ironic though? I mm. saw on the All In podcast, they asked about the fact that he has since raised around 300 million from Andreessen Horowitz for a new company called Flow. Oh, is that the climate tech one? No, so he, done uh. one, he did one that was climate tech and then another one where basically it was like, essentially we work, but for housing. So essentially you oh. can live in a kind of flat, but then at the same time, there's a communal area. I remember you mentioned this. Yes. Now, yeah. Um, so they Can't asked Chamath, like, why did like Andreessen Horowitz like give $300 million to, like, to this company? Mm. And Chamath gave an answer, which I think probably is accurate, which is that VC firms sometimes just want to get rid of the capital on their books so they can raise a new fund and get their fees. And wow. that's the reality of VC funds. Like if you have, let's say a billion dollar fund, yeah, you often get 2% of that goes directly to the yeah. VC firm. And then they get 20 or 30% of the upside if it does make money, basically. So but, imagine getting yeah. 2%, I don't know what's 2% of a billion, but imagine getting yeah. 100 million, 200 million straight up. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to want to raise another fund straight away. Let's, let's deploy this capital as quickly as possible, especially when you know mm. that when you've got a leading brand in the VC world, like I'm not saying that that's the only motivation, but it's yeah. a fantastic incentive to be like, oh, actually, you know what? We need to get off this capital off the books. Who can we deploy 300 million to? Oh, this guy wants to build a lot of buildings. Give it to him. He's white. He's cisgendered, he's able-bodied, he's famous. Let's give it to him and not the like tens of thousands of any other type of person Basically. who's pitching to us for money. Because that's the other story that's being said. If you're so desperate to deploy capital, why is it always going to the same types of people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, uh, Andrews and Horowitz, they did have like a like a few different allocations. Mm. It was like, um, I forgot the name of it, but they have got, there's a guy called Chris Lyon who works on the inside, black guy that works on the inside. And he's, he's, he's been given allocations, but yes, it is dwarfed by the amount of money that's given to guys like Adam Newman, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but are you skeptical of my thesis that sometimes VCs probably just do deploy capital quickly in order to kind of get their fees? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that that is like a tactic. You were talking about like how billionaires just need to like spend money. And like, you know, there are all kinds of people out there just trying to like maximize a system that doesn't make sense. You know, Avios points. People be like, I need to fly to this random country so I can stay on this <laughs> tier of like Avios points. And you're just like, what? This makes no sense to me. But yes, I absolutely believe that you would be incentivized in some way to like spend money, even if it's not necessarily the best bet, just so that you can like go on to raise money. A lot of these systems are fundamentally broken. It's a question. It's a question. Did you watch the Grammys, by the way? I watched the highlights. You've been following. What do you make of the whole... So Jay-Z went up there and basically said that, listen, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing more times than not. Mm. Beyonce's won the most amount of Grammys than any person in history, but she's never won Album of the Year. Yeah. And then I think they gave Taylor Swift again Album of the Year. I think yeah. she's had the most amount of Albums of the Year. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I think Taylor Swift is a psyop. 
I've never heard any of her music. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm starting to believe it's a psyop because I don't, I've never heard her music before. What is a psyop? A psyop means it's a psychological operation to like just deceive people into thinking like reality is not what it is. Do you know what I'm saying? You know how the military will be like. She's definitely real. She's real. She is real, but her, is her music real? I, she is. I, you're just not that. You're just I'm not, not in her profile filter. Or person. I'm, yeah, I'm not in the, the algorithm to see it. Like I don't have a bubble. Like but, I don't know what percent, what slice of but, Taylor Swift listeners are like black men. But the most amount of albums of the year. Hey man. The most. Are you surprised? Yes. Why? Because the last I heard of Taylor Swift, Kanye was going on How stage. How many copies did Tupac get? I don't know, but the, <laughs> but Beyonce, it's a, it's a like for like comparison. Listen, don't get twisted. Mm. I understand that, listen, as a white woman, she's yeah. going to hit an archetype and hit probably a mass appeal that probably Beyonce maybe can't. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, listen, I'm not hating on her. Shout out to her. I'm sure, I'm sure her music is amazing. But I just I just wake up and I just see people saying Taylor Swift's the new Michael Jackson. And then I see her perform and I see her try to quote unquote dance. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? Shots fired. What is going Shots on? Fired. Dude, no, I'll be make it make sense. You, like, I could probably name two Taylor Swift songs. Like, okay, I'm also see, I'm not, with you. I'm, not, yeah, I'm exactly, also yeah, with okay. you. It's just like, oh my God, there's something else. Like, apparently she released like four albums last year. Or something crazy. <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm not even joking. Like, she she's making music. She is hardworking and she is busy. And that is undeniable. And I know people are going to come for us now. But I also... She's not coming from my algorithms. I'm not really listening to her. Yeah. Some of the songs, you know, reach popular mass. I'm the problem. It's me, whatever. Yes, I know that I one. I don't know that one. I've, <laughs> Even I know that one. <laughs> but what I think is really interesting about things like the Grammys and the Emmys and stuff like that, obviously living in the UK, there are similarities between the US and the UK. And I see a lot of the American award shows as the American equivalent of the establishment. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah so here in the UK, our establishment is like landed gentry mm-hmm. and royals, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, people get like knighthoods and damehoods and OBs and MBs. And that's literally the establishment kind of like tapping you on the head and being like, you are one of us now. Like mm-hmm. we approve of you. And what I find really interesting about these award ceremonies is that, again, every establishment has an agenda. Mm-hmm. And in most of the countries we're living in, the agenda is to perpetuate the status quo. 100%. And in the countries where we're living in, the status quo is white supremacy, you know, male privilege, all these kinds of things. Um, and I think what we often see in these great award shows is that it doesn't really matter how talented the black person is, white people always have to come out on top. Still. Yeah. Because if they don't, then that disturbs the balance of power and it freaks people out and they're just not comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a story as old as time and obviously just like the white artist is the most sellable one, Elvis. Not Eminem. to detract from her talent though. Like I think it's like- amazing. Yeah, you still be amazing talented. Eminem has got a lot of talent, but it doesn't mean that he he literally is the greatest rapper of all time. But this is what I'm who saying. is presented as that person? It's him, right? Do you mm. know what I mean? Elvis, is, Elvis can sing. I saw the, the <laughs> film about him. He's a talented guy, but was he the greatest, you know, head and shoulders above all? Yeah, head and shoulders above all? Above all? I don't yeah. think so. It's like when they do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then there's like three black people in the whole list or whatever. And it's just like- I mean, I know that these awards matter and they're also really important, but at the same time, like they feel like gaslighting by this point in history. It just feels like gaslighting. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting was that in the hip hop category for the best hip hop album, the award went to Killer Mike, who- Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was in the category, I think there was like uh, Travis Scott and I I think Drake was in there. There was a few (laughs) other more quote unquote mainstream artists. Mm. And Killer Mike, I haven't listened to any of the albums apart from Drake's one, but I heard Killer Mike's album was- had a lot of buzz. I had a lot of people that were saying this is a great album, but a lot of like quote unquote mainstream hip hop fans, basically fans who engage with the kind of artists Jack like Harlow. Drake or Jack Harlow are like, I've never heard of this guy before. How never can he win? Like. I mean, yeah, but the thing is like, 
if you're the type of person who only engages with that kind of pop level of hip hop, yeah, Drake, hip-hop, like through tick, you're yeah, discovering hip hop TikTok, through TikTok or, or something, just, like you that. know what I mean? Yeah, um, you're gonna be shocked. And I actually think this is probably the one time where I give kudos to the Grammys because there was that. If you remember famously, there was that year where Macklemore won album of the year over Kendrick, and everyone was like, "Okay, this is this is crazy." <laughs> now you've obviously just picked the most commercially successful project, and not actually what is grassroots, what hip hop mm. aficionados would actually say is the better album. And I think history has proved it out. So kudos to the Grammys in this sense for actually picking an artist who isn't the most commercially viable, mm. isn't the most commercially successful, yeah. but, you know, has got a lot of grassroots appeal. And as probably um, artists, is probably more critically acclaimed. So I don't know. They can't, Listen, these award shows are very yeah. arbitrary. It's very much about an opinion mm. and no one's going to be happy either way. Um, but yeah. One question. Can I ask you what you think about people who like speak in one voice and then like rap in like a voice that sounds like black vernacular or like I mean the black, qu- the, the best example was Iggy Azalea. She's mm. Australian woman yeah. and she just starts rapping like she was from Atlanta. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. There was a history of that in the UK. A long a lot of the rappers back in the nineties used mm. to rap in American accents. And then eventually people were like, This is ridiculous, like just rapping your own accent. And <laughs> yeah. actually now those artists, the skeptors, mm. probably have more crossover appeal in America because people are more are likely to resonate with something that's true. Yeah. Even if it's different. You know what I mean? I think that is one of the hardest selling points to Americans about UK hip hop is the accent. But at the same time, it's still probably getting more buzz now because it's like, okay, at least there's something real here. At least this is actually authentic as opposed mm. to a fake imitation of like somebody pretending to be something they're not. Yeah. So that's my point. Who, who did you have in mind? Well, like, <laughs> I know people come for me, but like, Jack Harlow, like, speaks in one voice and then, like, raps in another. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm I'm, I'm a little side-eye on that. Yeah, I, I don't, I actually haven't noticed that. I'll have a look out for that. Mm. Do you watch a lot of Jack Harlow interviews? No. Do you find him attractive? I think you do. He's your type, right? No, I actually found him on Dave. Do you know the show Dave? Ah, okay. Yeah. Who Dave's more your type. He's my type. Dave's more your type. type. I know your type. I've been like with the same man for 12 years. So yeah. Like, but, um, Who gives me Jack Harlow energy? What do you want me to say? <laughs> Rude. My husband is way hotter than Jack Harlow. Um, I've discovered him through the show Dave. Yes. So there's this like episode where Dave goes to, is it the Grammys? He goes, no, I the Met Ball. He goes to the Met Gala. The Met Gala, yeah. And um, if you haven't seen the show, Dave, really recommend it. I think it was on FX uh, and here in the UK iPlayer. But yeah, and when he's there, people keep mixing him up. So Dave is just like oh, a very right. like proud, you know, cishet, Jew, rapper, guy. And then he meets Jack Harlan. He's like, people always get us mixed up. But I literally never even like seen him. So, and then I saw him on the show and then I heard him like heard his song on the radio. And when I first heard his song on the radio, I didn't know it was him. So I was just like, wow, right. what rapper is this? And like, oh, that was what about Jack I was like, oh my God, that was a white guy. <laughs> so that's kind of how my thinking went. Have you seen the, um, the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith show? <laughs> I watched like the first 10 minutes of it. And then I was like, I think I'm going to like downgrade this from like a prime time slot. Oh, seriously? You wasn't feeling it in the beginning? One. I was so excited by the trailer, but like the first few minutes of the show, I was like, I need to revisit this. Just like the opening action scene for me, it was just like... Actually, a few of the reviews have actually been saying that it's quite good, surprisingly. Okay, nice. so, I think and I, you? What were your thoughts? I saw the first episode and I enjoyed it so far. But nice. I think... Um, I would watch of... anything Donald Glover is in. Like, yeah. But you know what? Up. He's not that popular. What? Yes, because in a sense that like there's a I I don't know maybe it's the side of TikTok that I'm on. There's a there's an idea that he doesn't know how to write black women. That in the show Atlanta there was a few mm. stereotypes that he perpetuated, especially about dark skinned black women. There was that one episode where they were at some party and there was an interracial couple and basically the dark skinned black girl was basically just hating on the kind of successful black man with the white girl and just and it, it was basically like an archetype trope. and a stereotype and a trope. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I'm not sure. Then he did that show Swarm. 
I think some people weren't a fan of that either. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, wow. I'm a fan of Donald Glover, but there is there is a he's not universally popular. But oh, well. credit credit where credit's due. I think a lot of people were thinking, why does there need to be a reboot of Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Mm. Some people were like, well, why does there need to be like a 15th Marvel friggin' movie? <laughs> Come on. I want it. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to the MCU. Keep going, guys. You're going to terrible now. <laughs> no, but there was an idea that actually probably they're too ugly to be the Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which I thought was really dread. Wow. Yeah, because they were like, said oh. that? A lot of people were saying that. They were like, Brad and Angelina were hot. What is this? Wow. That's, I don't know, y'all. That's not cool. That's not cool. I, like, I think Donald Glover's a good looking man. He's not very tall. He's got a new hairline, by the That's way. That's all you can say. Straight out to the trash. Shout out to his hair transplant. Shut up. Yeah, man. For real. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. Shout out to him. Um, and then I can't remember the name of the actor who is playing alongside him, but I loved her sitcom, Pen15. Okay. Um, she's just hilarious. I think her name's Maya something, but I got it, I got it um, wrong. Damn. People coming like that. Also, can I just say, the last season of Atlanta, in my opinion, is some of the greatest TV ever mm. if i was told we need to make a time capsule for future generations how do we explain the world right now i'd be like put the last season of atlanta in that time capsule sh- ship it out to the universe ship it out to future generations because that thing was just chef's kiss art hit us up on social media did you like mr and mrs smith and is taylor swift a psyop we'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this week's techish um we appreciate all the reviews Hit us up at Pod, Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Keep um, the comments coming. Any plugs you want to give? Um, yeah, check out Hustle Crew Live because, you know, we're around. And, and we're actually, also one last thing. Subscribe to our YouTube. Oh, yeah. So you can now watch us. If you're listening to us, you can also now watch us. It's Pod on YouTube. The link will be in the show notes. We have around a couple hundred subscribers. We want more. Please, please, please give us Follow a few us more. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on YouTube. Peace.